This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. TJ, a victory. We get a chance to talk about a Lions win. Great weekend for Southeast Michigan, State of Michigan in sports. We got a lot of bowl teams. We got a Big Ten championship. But let's start off because we don't know how many times we're going to have this moment. It's a victory Monday. The two best words in all of football. <laughs> victory Monday. And you know Coach gave him one. Uh, today because just looking at the press availability they didn't know Uh, so it's like yeah the players they're they're celebrating man they got the they got the day off and good for them you know it's been uh it's been a long season for all those guys been a long season for all of us you know watching them and um you know cheering for them but for those guys in the locker room and the coaches and everybody else i mean it's been it's been a long it's been a long couple months you know you, you go through uh what 11 games where uh, you don't win, uh, you know, you're battling a couple of them and everybody's telling you, you know, how, how much you suck and how bad you are. And uh, then you finally pull one off in walk-off fashion. I mean, it, there couldn't be a better way to get your first win. I mean, just watching those guys uh, rush, you know, the field and celebrate there in the corner of the end zone and hearing Dan Miller's call uh, was great and talking to the coach after the game. I mean, it, you, you just you, – you, you had to feel happy for them getting to experience that moment, just with how long, how bad the season's been, right? There's yeah. so many negatives, 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 and you finally get that positive. Um, that's that. That was an incredible moment for those guys, and and you know, John. I mean, just like me. I mean, that's probably one thing that you miss the most about playing is celebrating in that locker room after yep. an NFL win. You, how much work you put into it, how hard it is to win games. Uh, celebrating with your teammates and your coaches in that locker room is is very, very special. And that's something that those guys, obviously, uh, they, had a, they had a heck of a night, I'm sure. Every win means something. And in today's football, um, especially with where the Lions are right now, we know and they've admitted they're in a full rebuild. Uh, and this is, there's a lot of young guys, a lot of guys that were taken in the draft, a lot of guys that have been bouncing around the NFL. So for some of them, it's, it, it is their first win. Um, and to finally have the payoff of, you know, from the moment you're drafted, you come in, you're trying to earn your spot on the team, you're working out, it's training camp, it's the start of the football season, it's a preseason, 
and you go and, and you just never know when that's going to happen. And to finally have it, it's, and there's a lot of, there, there's still some things that obviously need to be ironed out and cleaned up. And we're going to talk about those in a little bit, but we do want to start with the positives. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the biggest positive is, you know, obviously the win. Um, we could talk about the the drive at the end of the game that Jared Goff was able to manufacture to to get down and win, but let's just talk about the first half. I mean, they go into halftime up twenty to six. They were able to take advantage of short field. They were able to take advantage of of different things. But I think the biggest thing in the first half, my takeaway was the offense and the way that it operated, the way it looked. It felt like there was finally a scheme, a system, a flow to what they were doing. Yeah, and that's the biggest, best word I can describe it is just rhythm, right? Yeah. I think it was the first time uh, definitely since Coach Campbell took over after the bye week that the offense had a rhythm to it, right? It wasn't just, uh, you know, dive, 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 punt, or dive, dive, you know, third and long, and oh, let's run run a draw, right? It, it had some rhythm to it. They were doing a much better job on first and second down. Um, they didn't convert a third down until the last drive. They right. were like 0 for 8, but in those couple of early drives, they never faced third down. They were doing uh, so well on first and second down, they didn't they didn't need to convert third down. So um, it, the rhythm felt there. The rhythm, the mesh between uh, the running game, the play-action game, uh, when they did call the drop-back passes, they looked like they did a much better job of uh, scheming guys open and getting on a better uh, same page, quarterback-receiver relationships. Uh, it felt like the rhythm was there, and that's something that, Quite frankly, they've just been lacking, right? I think they were way too predictable in the last uh, probably three games. Uh, you, you didn't really know what you were going to get. There was a lot of head scratchers. Why, why are you calling this? What are you doing? You know, it's third and eight. Why are you running the ball? Why are you doing? We didn't see a lot of that yesterday. Um, and you know, you got to talk about Jared Goff too. I mean, he, you know, he made the one mistake yesterday on the interception to Hawkinson, but for the most part. Uh, he gave the team a chance to win, and that's what they did. And that last drive, I mean, you got to feel happy for that guy. He's he's been through uh, the ringer this year. Uh, everybody questioning if he's the guy or not. Even yesterday, when he got introduced as the offense, I mean, there were a couple boos, and you're just like, okay, you, like you, you have to feel you have to feel some sympathy, right? Because you just look at the type of team they have and uh, how much you're supposed to do. How much Superman ball can you play? But yesterday was the first time this season that. He got into a rhythm. He looked confident. Looked like he had a little swagger to his game. His timing was much better. His accuracy was much better. And outside of the one uh, silly interception, man, he he played he played a really nice game. And I think that was everything that us Lions fans hoped for. You know, when he got here, How, can they run the ball? Can they complement it with the play action? The same type of uh, style that he had success with in the Rams. I think we definitely saw uh, a good first step of that yesterday. Well, and I think their their best drive, um, obviously the, they had the two touchdowns, one off a of turnover short field, the one that included that TJ Hawkinson reception that you're mentioning. It was it was a, a, a very effective drive, but they, they ended up um, at the end of the first half only getting a field goal, but it was a, I believe it was a 13 play, 77 yard drive. And to your point, first down, they pick up four. It's second and six. They convert. They've got a first and 10. There's a penalty. So it's first and five. They convert. First and 10, they get eight yards. And, and so they were very good on first down, which as, as a play caller, it makes things a lot easier when you're looking at second and four, second and, you know, two than it is second and 10, second 11, second 12, or if there's a penalty. Just 
what did you see from Dan Campbell? Because we know he's the one calling the plays right now. Mm-hmm. Is this the first time where you're like, okay, he, he's found his rhythm, and not only did he find his rhythm, but he found sometimes you've got to match that as a coordinator or whoever's calling the plays with your quarterback, with your offense. You've got to find what they do well, what they excel on, and it, and it can change from, from week to week of what's working against the Vikings. What did you see from Dan Campbell and the confidence that he was calling plays with? Yeah, I, I thought it was the first time that they really looked like they trusted the guys to go make plays, right? Yeah. I think there were times, um, you know, and he mentioned the bad weather in Pittsburgh and, uh, you know, some other elements in the Cleveland game. And then you know, there was just always something, well, you know, we wanted to, but we had this, right? Yesterday was the first time that, yeah, the the trust just looked there. All right, guys, we're going to go pass the ball, make a play, right? We're going to go run the ball, make a play, play action, go make a play. We're going to trust you. We're not going to shrink down, shrivel down the playbook to where we're just calling, uh, you know, 15 wide receiver screens and just a bunch of max protections, right? We're going to trust you guys to go, go play football and go get the job done. I think that was very evident um, and really – you know, the offensive line, man, they, they controlled that game. I mean, they played a really good game. When your offensive line mm-hmm. plays that way, I mean, that's 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 probably the reason why they've been in so many games is because their offensive line uh, has been doing the job, getting the job done. Um, and it just, you know, it felt like it, it was just a cohesive group. Um, you know, for the past three or four games now, you look at the stats after the game and the leading receiver has like two catches three catches, right? And then you look at yesterday, Amon Ross St. Brown has 10 catches, and you're like, holy holy crap, man, that's like <laughs> that's a record around here. I, I don't know if we should be getting overly thrilled with the fact that they're just starting to throw the ball because that should be very basic part of, of your offense in the NFL, but um, it, it, they took a step, man. They took a step, and I think the one thing where the game felt like – it was going to be. We've all had. We've had that feeling in every single game so far, where there's one player, there's one thing here, <laughs> and it's like that's where it's going to go bad. It was after the interception. You're like, oh man, they just had a chance to really put that one away. Um, their defense steps up and gets a big stop. Uh, after you know you miss the fourth and one, and they go down and score. It was that feeling. They had the game. Here it goes again, right? Same thing. They come back and they battle back. So the, the fact that they battled through the adversity in both those moments, were able to come out on top, uh, it says a lot about not only the players, but Coach Campbell, man. He gets those guys ready to go every single week now. And I know if, you know, there's been questions if Campbell's the guy and blah, blah, blah. If these players didn't like him, they wouldn't be given this kind of effort at 0-10-1. You know what I mean? And they're showing up. But I think, honestly um, – the biggest thing for me yesterday, the difference offensively, was smart football. Mm-hmm. Smart football. I think they had two penalties, and I think they were both delay of games, which are super frustrating. But you didn't see, you know, the four holding calls and the four false starts and the legal motions and just the dumb crap that's been uh, really punishing themselves for the last, you know, month and a half. We didn't see a lot of that. And when they play this style of football – you're finally able to see a little bit of, you know, scratching the surface a little bit. Now, they didn't score over 20 points since the first game of the season, and they matched that in the first half alone. I know they only finished with 29, but, um, you know, I think it was just the the battling, right, the the persistence, the the sticking with it, trusting it, getting out there, doing whatever it takes to make a play and get a win. I think that's definitely going to be a good building block for them to hopefully – 
just keep keep building on the rest. You know, they only got five games left, but keep building on it the rest of the season. Yeah, and in regards to smart football, there there is a decision that we're going to talk about that Dan Campbell made in just a moment. But after the fourth down call that Dan Campbell made and the turnover, the fumble that Jared Goff had, we'll discuss that in a minute. But I want to stay on the positive side of things because the Detroit Lions get the ball back minute 50 left and they're able to manufacture a drive and go down and score. On the sidelines, did you believe, and I know you're, you're, you're obviously there, you're standing there, you're looking at the sidelines, you get a feel for whether this team has the confidence to go down and make that drive. Did you feel be, when they took the field that they could go score a touchdown to win because a field goal wasn't going to get it done? No, I didn't. I didn't. And uh, it just kind of felt like, here we go again. You know, it felt like deja vu um, just from what we've seen from this team all year. You know, there was really no reason to believe that this was going to be the day where they do it, right? And I think, not to be negative, but that's just, they created a pattern of, uh, you know, finding a way to lose. And no, but, you know, going, going through the last couple minutes there, you're looking and, it's like, okay, let's just see, man. Let's just see if somebody can make a play. And they did. They got a couple plays. And then, you know, the, the one of the biggest plays on that drive was uh, minute and 15 left, third and 10. Uh, Golf hits Iguabuque over the middle. He makes a couple guys miss. He picks up the first down and gets out of bounds. Yeah. I mean, that was a huge play. That, for me, was like, okay, like maybe they can do it, right? And then, you know, they just kept battling. And uh, But, no, I don't think I don't think a lot of people <laughs> thought that after Minnesota scored that the Lions were going to get back into that game. But it was impressive, and it was something that uh, we just – we haven't seen that from this team yet this year. But, you know, I will say now you see all those close losses they've had, Chicago, uh, even Cleveland – um, you know, back to the Minnesota yeah. loss, uh, Baltimore, Baltimore loss, Pittsburgh. They, the other team has had the ball last. Mm-hmm. This is the first time that the Lions got a chance at the end of the game to go win, and they did it. And maybe that's something that you know. And I know we're going to talk about the fourth down call. Well, let's get into we'll, it now we'll get because into it now, but it was. I think before we talk about the negatives, and there were <laughs> were a bunch. Even going back to the decision, the play call, whatever, um, it allowed them to get the ball back. Right, and I think that might have played into Coach Campbell's thought process. Hey, even if we don't get it, you know, there's still whatever four or five minutes left. Um, we still got a chance to get the ball back, only down one score, right? And, and still a chance to win that game. It, 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 if you give, if you punt in that situation, and Minnesota takes up four minutes of the clock, and they go down and score, maybe you're, maybe you're only looking at, you know, you get the ball back with 20 seconds. Okay, you can play the hypotheticals, but it, at least it turned out to be okay. They ended up getting the ball back, and they were able to manufacture that drive. But did you like the fourth down call? Um, I didn't. Um, and as – so, like, in the moment, I'm thinking you got to punt the ball away. Right. You got the lead, and I understand the the, the game that Justin Jefferson was having, um, you know, and, and – there's a lot of different scenarios that you run through, but there's a little better than four minutes left in the game. And you've got three options. You've got a, a, an opportunity to punt it. You give it back to Minnesota. You've got the lead, but can your defense stop them? Uh, or it, it, Minnesota, all they need at that point is a field goal. To your point, they could have killed the clock. They could have driven down, got into field goal range, kicked a field goal with 20 seconds, just, 30 seconds. Just like the Chicago yeah. game. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the, the Lions have no chance to respond. Yeah. 
you could go for it like they did convert and all of a sudden everything's happy it works it sounds it seems like a great play right. or as we saw happen now the fumbles are relevant because you don't pick up a fourth down. yeah you're yeah. going to turn over on downs anyway so um the issue that i had was more with the play call and it seemed like when you roll a quarterback out to the right and i understand the protection aspects of that. And you're selling the play action pass. Your offensive line can be aggressive. It's fourth and inches. Maybe you can get those linebackers to bite. Minnesota didn't bite at all. But when you roll out to the right, you eliminate half the field. You've got to have a play or you've got to have a route that's open right now. And it didn't happen. They end up getting, you know, getting sacked, fumbled. And now all of a sudden with four minutes left to go in the game, Minnesota has the ball on the 28-yard line, and they're already in, in field goal range. Yeah. Um, but do you have enough faith in your defense to get a stop? Or at that point, do you just let them score? Because you still want the ball back. Mm-hmm. And, and if, you know, it's – I have an issue with the play called not necessarily going for it or not. Because if they go for it, they convert, you keep the thing going – and maybe you can get a couple more. And at that point, if you punt, maybe you pin them down inside the 20, inside the 10. If you punt here, you're probably going to give them the ball at about the 30, 35-yard line. They only need, what, at that point, 45 yard, 40 yards of offense to get into field goal range. Yeah, if that, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't have an issue with the decision to go for it only because – just everything surrounding this team. You're zero and ten and one, right? If you don't yep. get it, okay, it's another loss. Whatever. You don't want to play. I, I I I understand the thought process when it comes from that point of view. Um, but that being said, I didn't really have an issue with the fact that they called a play action pass, only because all season we've seen. How many third and one, fourth and one yeah. dives have we seen that have not? Converted? And we complain about those. Why you and keep you running right to the it, middle right. of the line? Yeah, and I've been a big, uh, you know, ambassador for. I'd like to see a little bit of creativity on the third and short, the fourth and short. Right, roll somebody out. Do I don't have a I don't have an issue with the play call. However, I, my issue comes with uh, the process of how they did it. If you're going to call that play, uh, you need to get right up after third down get to the line of scrimmage, quick quick snap. Don't let the defense get lined up, right, because that's when those plays work. They don't usually work when you take a timeout and then you kind of get slowly to the line, right, and you, the defense, your, your ticker's starting to go off a little bit. Okay, something's wrong here, something's wrong, right? Okay, maybe pass, right? Um, so I think the process of how they did it was bad. Um, but with that being said, you know, they had two chances in that game, on the short yardage uh, to run and get the ball, right? First mm-hmm. drive of the game, they go for it on fourth and one. The uh, offensive line gets stood up. Jared Goff, QB sneak, doesn't get it. Uh, the play right before, third and one, Jamal Williams right up the middle, doesn't get it, right? The offensive line just wasn't creating push in those situations. So as an offensive lineman, you have to realize that you have to earn that play call you have to earn on that late third and one fourth and one that we want to run the ball you can't just go get stuffed twice and then come to the sideline and bitch about throwing a pass right (laughs) i mean coaches that you know we do yeah i know i know you can but there's something the accountability has to be there okay guys we haven't you know they've stuffed us twice now 
Um, we got to try know, something maybe else. The coach, yeah, maybe the coach wants to try something else. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't hate the, I don't hate the, I don't hate the thought process and trying to throw a play action pass. I just thought if you're going to do that, look, look back in the Cincinnati game. Remember Cincinnati? I think it was the first drive of the second half. Uh, they hold Cincinnati right about midfield. It's a fourth and one. Yep. Cincinnati gets up. They they get stopped. They get right up to the line. They run that quick little flat pass play action to Joe Mix, and he goes fifty yards for a touchdown. Yep. That's the type of urgency and process that you have to have when you do that play on fourth and one. You can't call timeout. You can't huddle. You can't mosey up to the line. You can't you know do it. You you, you got to go quick because it's all about catching the defense off guard. It's all about catching them uh, not lined up the right way or not getting the right communication. Hey, you got the flat. Hey, you got the they the, the Vikings had too much time to figure that play out, which didn't yeah. work. Yeah. Well, it's it, it it ended up in a win, and I think the Lions pulled or Minnesota pulled the most Lions moment of the game when it's fourth and two. There's four seconds left, and your ball's on the eleven yard line, <laughs> and you're playing five <laughs> yards deep in the end zone. <laughs> they aligned defensively with the quarters eleven with fifteen yards yeah. off of Amon Ross St. Brown. Yeah, all Amon Ross St. Brown does is. Sprint to the end zone. Get one yard. Turn around. And stop. Catch the ball. <laughs> Came over. Like I. It, hey, uh, if they're gonna do it, like and and that's. I think there are moments like that in every single game, and it just happened to be in the Lions' favor this time. But it was also Jared Goff seeing T.J. Hawkinson early in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, down the middle of the field, being able to recognize it, see it, and complete the pass. Being able to recognize that. Hey, I've got a Monroe St. Brown. I got a rookie over here. And there's there's a guy playing off coverage. All I got to do is get him to go one yard deep in the end zone. I got to put the ball on him. And I think Amon Ross St. Brown was a little bit surprised that he yeah. turned around. First of yeah. all, he's probably surprised at the coverage. Second of all, that he turned around and the ball was right there. Yeah. We almost had ourselves a DeAndre Swift moment. We almost did. Yeah, we almost did. <laughs> but that, he didn't, and we won. Yeah, and that and you hate to, uh, you know, you hate to kind of put a damper on the mood, but that was a all-time terrible play by that corner oh and you just you in that situation we you know you play nfl right we didn't we never played defensive back in the nfl but you sit through team meetings and you sit through meetings sometimes where they show plays and you know in that situation the defense's job is you basically stand at the goal line protect the goal line then you have a couple guys over the top uh that's the situation and uh for dantzler i think it was 27 he was the one who had the interception you know a couple drives before that yeah uh, for him to play that kind of defense was, uh, you talk about sitting in that meeting room today if you're in, in Minnesota, um, that is just an all-time brain fart. And it, but, but but you know what? It finally happened in the Lions' favor. I yeah. feel like they've all and they took advantage I, of it. I feel like they've been on the wrong end of those brain farts so many times of just oh, all you got to do is this. What are you doing, right? And they and they finally. Uh, get a team that gives them a bone, and you're right to take advantage of it. But that catch was, it was, it was very similar to. Remember the Chicago game, the first Chicago game, where they went for it fourth and one down ten. Yeah, and I think it was St. Brown kind of yeah, came out came of his out cut of the, and the was cut. a little wasn't surprised as fast as he should have. He kind of slowed down a little bit. Yep. wasn't surprised. The ball hit him just off the fingertips. Game was over. It was very eerily similar to how St. Brown just kind of got in the end zone and kind of like slow down like nobody's covering me and then yeah. he said even in the post game he said you know his plan was to come out of the break turn for the ball but by the time 
he turned, the ball was in the air. And he's like, it felt like it took forever because I knew I couldn't go attack the ball because that would have taken me out of the end zone. Yeah. So he was basically waiting for the defensive for the ball to get there before the defensive backman came, came and hit him in the back. Uh-huh. And um, you know what? But I, I will say that is just an incredible way to win, right? When you get a walk yes. off and you're Monroe St. Brown, ten catches on the day and your first career touchdown is a game. Winner. I mean, that was just uh, it, it was something that you ha- you haven't seen a lot from this Lions team in the past couple of years and. Like you said, DeAndre Swift. I mean, remember last uh, first game of the year in yeah, 2020, the Bears. chance to win the game drops in the end zone. But they they finally they finally made the play, and that was uh, that was a heck of a celebration, man. Just seeing the joy on those guys' face, and to have a rookie step up in a big moment, um, man, that was awesome. But, How many questions did you go through? Because I've been in that situation where fourth quarter, right? You're you're starting to put together questions of, all right, I think we're going to win this game. Yeah. You know, the different moments that you're going to ask the coach. I've done it with Jim Harbaugh. You're doing it with Dan Campbell. And then all of a sudden, fourth down happens, and Minnesota takes the lead. And you're like, son oh, of a bitch. Yeah, now i got to ask gotta, the I, negatives. Now i got to yeah. ask these questions. So you, you <laughs> sit there, and you're like, okay, how am I going to ask this question and make sure that it's to the point? i got to ask it, but I want to make sure it's respectful. Yeah. And then they go down and score, and you're like, yeah, rip that up. <laughs> nope, rip that one rip up. It up and, and that's the way you want to have it. I and know. here's one that you asked Dan Campbell uh, in your post game, which I thought was uh, was awesome for you to have the chance to talk to him after a win, for him to ask, ask answer questions after a win. I know Jansen asked you a couple weeks ago during the bye week. Give me the over-under on celebratory pops tonight at the Campbell House. So I'm going to set it at about nine and a half. <laughs> That's pretty good right there. I'd say the over. <laughs> Certainly the over. You got you got to check on him to Tuesday morning when you and Stoney talked to him. But yeah, that was uh, – I tell you what, man, to go back to your first question – you know, you're sitting there and you kind of get the feel of the game and then with maybe five minutes or le- left or so, you start kind of working out questions in your head and jotting some things down and, hey, I want to ask him about uh, the third downs or, hey, I want to ask him about this play call or, hey, ask him about this player, right, who had a couple big plays. And you're right. I mean, it changes. Okay, I think we're going to win, right? We can be positive and oh. – you got to rip that up right now. They didn't win. They blew it. Now you got to ask the asshole questions of coach, take us back to the fourth down. What do you do? You know, you got to ask those uh-huh. negative questions. Yeah. And then you're trying and, to figure out what order, right? I'm going to yeah. give them the sandwich. I'm going to ask a, a positive one first. Hey, your team really fought hard. What do you yeah. think team? Um, fourth down coach. Yeah. Well, you, you right, go for it, punt it. it. And then, and then you, you ask another one in softball at the end. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's crazy. The, uh, the, the, just the preparation, how it changes. And it's happened a couple times this year. I remember, uh, you know, the Baltimore game. I mean, I'm sitting there. I had probably six questions written down, right? Boom, how hard they played. Boom, your defense. You know, holding Lamar Jackson. Bam. And then 67-yard field going, it's just like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) You can't go ask all these positive questions now, right? But it's, uh, man, it was finally, it was great to talk to Coach after the win and I know we're not face to face you know I'm in the booth with the headset he's in the locker room with the headset but um if I could have given him a hug man like you know you just like you're so happy for him and it's been such a long season for him every single game leading back to the preseason has been all right coach where'd the game go wrong you know what happened and it's been struggle man and uh you know those interviews are tough to do and the first thing he said before we started recording he got on he's like did 
God damn, I'm happy to finally talk to you after a win, man. And I'm like, I would, I would prefer this, man, because I, you know, this is my first time ever having to uh, do those interviews, either with a coach or a player. And you know, I remember how it was being a player. Sometimes you don't really, you know, want to talk after a loss, but yeah. it's been great. Coach has been really really awesome all year i mean open and honest and uh that's all you can ask for but to finally you know congratulate him and have some fun yeah and you know just be a couple couple dudes just talking football and talking about uh you know his celebration what yeah. how many beers he's planning on taking down i mean that's just that's good stuff and that's uh it's been a long time coming but you know what uh, I don't know what's that saying. Patience is a virtue, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I know which I have no virtue <laughs> these, in that regard. <laughs> these are None. football. You don't want to be patient with wins, but you know yeah. what? It, it was. Uh, I'm sure it was a special moment for those guys, and, and, and you, you can't help you can't help but to feel happy for Dan Campbell. Yeah, yeah, and obviously they got a trip to Denver. We'll see if uh, if the momentum carries over. That's a, it's a great feeling to have, and obviously once you get it, you want more of it. Um, but uh, we're going to shift to some big news in college football um, at my alma mater, Michigan, Big Ten champs. But before we do that, as I mentioned, a big moment for Wolverine fans. Trip down to Indianapolis was a great trip. It was one of my favorite trips of all time. I had not been to, obviously, had not been to a Big Ten championship game because Michigan hadn't been there. But I've not been to Indianapolis for an event like that or, or of any sort of event. And I will say this. I think the city of Indianapolis does a great job. Yeah. They've, they've, it's set up perfect. Lucas oil is right in the middle of everything. It's a short walk to just about any hotel that you would stay in. So you don't have to worry about it. The weather's nice and the weather was beautiful on Saturday. Uh, obviously for the game, it doesn't matter, but getting to and from it was, I won't say it was like a seven or eight minute walk from the hotel to the stadium. Oh, it's love. And, and the same after, you know, the, the victory parade with all of the players and fans and everybody walking back to the team hotel. It was just an unbelievable experience, one that I'm so happy, especially for the seniors. They've been through so much. Jim Harbaugh has been through so much. Guys like you never believed in them. Uh <laughs> Well, why would I, John? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because it's, let's face it, seven years ago, right, he comes to Ann Arbor and everybody thinks, all right, we're going to flip the switch. Big Ten championships, Mm -hmm. national, contending for national championships. Winning a national championship is one thing, but but being a force uh, on the national scene, and it's taken some time, uh, obviously seven years. They go to Indianapolis, they get the win, um, and we talked about a little bit last week, but your thoughts on the job that Jim Harbaugh has been able to do this year? Yeah, well, obviously it's been incredible. Um, you know, for a guy like me that you said that, you know, I, I haven't been his biggest fan, um, you know, but there's there's reasons for that. And I think that it, it's you know, a credi- it's, very credible opinion, it, one that a majority of people had. Yeah, which was fair, which was fair. I think, uh, you know, Harbaugh, you, you look back to – Early in the season, you look back to like training camp and, and the games in August and September, and you kept hearing, uh, you know, just how different the hardball feels different, right? There's just seems something different with him, and nobody could really put a finger on it. But uh, it looked to me like, you know what, he tried his best to to uh, stay out of the way, right? Not not really. Uh, you know, have a major influence on the games. Let your offense do their thing. Let the defense do their thing. Trust the guys. Don't play uh, a lot of this roulette with the players and get, get you know, 
give, give, just trust in the guys. And I think that uh, that's been the biggest thing. Really, looking past last of the cup, last couple games, Ohio State and Iowa, uh, it looked like he just, you know, he, he put a good plan for his team. He got the guys ready to go, and he stayed out of the way, and he let them go play. And you know, you didn't see him a lot uh, in the media or on social media talking about. Uh, stupid crap throughout the year like he's done a little bit in the past um it just seemed different and you have to be you know I don't know if uh eating crow is the right phrase but you have to be happy for him you have to be proud of him I mean he he basically got uh his pants pulled down publicly and spanked by them cutting his salary down yeah (laughs) in very in a very public fashion uh and for him to respond in the way that he has I think the team has kind of taken on that identity right you look at this team and you're you're thinking back, how is this the same team, you know, we watched early in the season with Washington and they weren't even ranked, you know, until yeah. like week four. Well, they're coming Rutgers out of a, a two and four season last right. year. And you could say whatever you want about COVID and the season, but it was it was a year where you, it, you looked at it and you thought, gosh, it just doesn't seem like anybody wants to be here. Right. They don't want to play. Yeah. And then it's such a dramatic change from that, what we knew coming out of, of 2020, to the team at you know in Madison. Yeah. Jumping around during the jump around and having fun. And I think that's the big difference for me. What I see with this team is, first of all, they're having fun. They're, yeah. they're enjoying playing together as a team. And Jim Harbaugh is having fun coaching this team. Yeah. And it looks like their leadership right now is uh, as strong as it's been in a long, long time. I'm a um, huge proponent of leadership coming from the players when you get into the season. Now, in the offseason, yeah. a lot of it is directed by here's what we're doing, here's how we're doing it, the coaches, all this stuff. But when you're in the weight room, when you're at practice, when you're obviously in games, I think that leadership has to come from the players. Yeah, and and it's different in college because you're on a you're on a clock, right? You yep. got seniors that you know we're done. Right, it's the NFL. Okay, it's free agency and whatnot, but you don't really know who's going yep. there and there. But you get into this college and the situation, and uh, you have that type of senior leadership, and that spreads to that's contagious to the rest of the team. Right, they want to do it for the seniors that have been here four, yep. five, six years. They want to they want to send those guys off, uh, you know, on a high note. And um, so that's where the leadership is different in college. But it just it's funny looking back at the first like four or five games, and you're like. This team's so boring. All they do is run the ball 50 times a game, and it's just like it looks like 1980s, you know, like Schembechler ball and Harbaugh ball, and that's just how they want to play compared to where they are now, really just manhandling teams. I mean, Maryland, Ohio State, Iowa – None of those games really close. No, I mean they, they it, it didn't feel like they were going to lose any of those no, games. No, they weren't. They weren't in jeopardy losing any of those games. And the, the way they've been winning, I mean, I, I know we'll talk about the rankings here in a minute, but Michigan is clearly playing the best football out of any of those four teams. And I don't know. You could throw, oh, Cincinnati's undefeated. Great. Okay. It's yeah. different. Um, Alabama beat Georgia. Great win. But they've had some struggles, you know, Auburn the recently. Before, yeah. The week before. Auburn lost to Penn State. You know, they almost lost. So you, you talk about all those things. But, um, yeah, I think Michigan's clearly playing the best football, and they're healthy. Uh, like you said, they're they're making big plays. They look like they're having a whole lot of fun doing it. Um, it's just exciting, man. I know it's just it's just been so long. Uh, it takes me back to you know my childhood, growing up and and being a kid. You know, during you you guys in '97 and and those great teams under Lloyd Carr, and it just feels like finally, right? Like this is what we thought we were going to have 
when we got Harbaugh back. Yep. And it's taken taken some time. Um but they're finally there. They're finally there. And I know that, you know, I don't know. I mean, even if they lose to Georgia, it's still an incredible season, yep. right? But you have a chance right there to go do something really, really special. And as a Michigan fan, um, they have really defied all odds and expectations. And uh, it's been it's been a heck of a it's been a heck of a, a fun team to watch this year. Yeah, and the challenge, and, and yeah, we're going to talk about the playoffs here in a minute. The challenge for this program is they've gone from the motivation at the beginning of the year where, you know, the, the numbers come out and I don't know how they come up with these numbers, but it's a 2% chance of winning the big 10 or it's a 0.1% chance of making the college football playoffs. That's all a great motivating factor this year. Next year, the narrative is going to be completely different. How do they motivate themselves? How do they play with the same energy? And, And every team, every season, every year is going to be different. And they've got to figure out, okay, what do we do to continue to build upon this? Because as you mentioned, if they go and they and they lose to Georgia, then it's there's only one team in the country that ends the season the way that they hoped. And that's going to be whoever the national champion is. Okay. The other three teams in the college football playoffs are going to be answering questions as to what do we have to do to get over the hump. And going into next year, I think it'll be interesting to see, is this the start of something that is sustainable or was this a one-off? And we won't know that until next year Yeah. Um, and what those seniors decide to do. And it's going to be weird because of that COVID year. Nobody lost a, a year of eligibility. I mean, there's guys like uh, Andrew Stuber, who's you know a fifth-year guy. He's got a choice to make. Do I come back for a six-year? Do I move on with my life? Do I try and give the NFL a shot? And, and there's... Every program is going to have those guys. Am I going to be asked to be back um, for a six-year? Because scholarships are going to be at a premium. So yeah. it's it'll be interesting to see. But they are in the college football playoffs. It's Alabama 1, Michigan 2, Georgia number 3, and Cincinnati number 4. How does it play out? I mean, there's a lot of time for us to, 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 to break it down. To debate but, this, yeah. And, and I'm curious. Here's... I know I just asked you that question, but I'm going to jump in. I'm curious to see what type of game plans are put together from all four teams because you have, you've got three weeks, a little better than three weeks to game plan Michigan for Georgia, Georgia for Michigan. Same thing for Alabama and Cincinnati. And what does Josh Gaddis do to try and figure out, all right, they've got a very big defensive front. Their mm-hmm. linebackers are faster than hell. Fastest linebackers they're, they're going to see all season. Some of these kids probably their entire, you know, college career. How do you combat that? What type of game plan do you put together defensively? How do we create opportunities for Jabo and Hutchinson? How do we create opportunities for for Josh Ross, a middle linebacker who I thought has played two of his best games at the end of this year, Ohio State and Iowa? Yeah, uh, man, we got a ton of time to break yep. that down, but it's uh I don't know, going back to your first point, what's going to happen? I mean, Oh man, you hate to say it, but it just kind of seems like uh, Alabama, Georgia are probably the favorites. They are the clear oh, favorites. You're going to hate lines, on Michigan again. I'm not going to hate on it. No, I'm not. I'm <laughs> no. not. But that's. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. I think this is what the committee clearly wanted. They didn't want an Alabama Georgia rematch in the first round. They no. 
They, they've always been. They've always shown heavy favoritism towards the SEC. That's just what they've always done. They've always been a little bit biased to those SEC teams, and it's <laughs> it's not opinion. I think it's a fact yeah. because you could clearly make a point uh, of a, a very good case that Michigan should have bumped up to one. Yeah. Um, that didn't happen. Uh, whatever, but you've got the hard road, harder road by having to play Georgia instead of Cincinnati. But you know what? I uh, I think that as a Michigan fan. Um, how sweet would it be to beat the FCC, right? Oh, how sweet would it be? I mean, if you go, if you're matched up with Cincinnati in the first round, you're clearly a favorite, uh, you know, cakewalking into the championship. Okay, maybe not tested, you know, in the first, I, I, all of those that surround it, but I love the challenge. I mean, I love the challenge that, you know what, you, you beat Ohio State's ass, you beat Iowa's ass in the Big Ten championship game. Now you have another chance to go validate that. You have a chance to really show just how damn good you are against Georgia. And the question always is, though, is how how does the Big Ten – uh, match up with the SEC, right? There's a lot of similarities in the type of bully ball that, you know, both conferences like to play. Um, it's not the Big 12 where it's, you know, they're throwing the ball 70 times a game, but uh, how, how do they match up? How do they match up physically, right? I think the SEC, Georgia, Alabama has uh, generally had more, uh, you know, probably NFL-ready talent on their rosters, uh, the way that they recruit and develop guys. Um, but Michigan is, you know what, I think the just like the Ohio State game, they've got a chance to have the best player in that game on their side with Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. They've got a chance to really have that game record. And it's been a long time really going back, you know, playing Ohio State, playing any of these big games that they've had the premier player. They've had, uh, you know, one of the Heisman finalists. They've had a guy that's potentially going to be uh, a number one pick in the draft. So, um, look, I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be fun for the next, what, three weeks, kind of breaking yep. this down and, and uh, you know, speculating on what we think is going to happen. I think a nine-point spread right now is – is ridiculous just with the way that Michigan's been playing yeah. um, and how dominant they've been. Uh, but you know what? I, I I don't know if I'm ready to make a prediction yet. <laughs> uh, yeah. I got to wait a couple weeks. Yeah. I got to, I got to wait a couple weeks and kind of let the dust settle from, uh, you know, the Ohio state and the big 10 championship um, and really just kind of step back and look at this. But um, yeah, I think throw Alabama in the final. We know that they're, they're going to be there, but uh, give, give it a little bit of time before we can start you know, breaking down this Michigan Georgia matchup, but Georgia, it sounds like they're going to have they're going to have some questions they have to answer as well. I mean, what are they going to do a quarterback? Right? What are yep. they? I mean, well, offensively, what are they going to do defensively? How are they going to? Uh, you know, how are they going to match up and and stop a, a team that you know is is one that does establish the run, but they've got the ability to be explosive. They got a ability to be explosive yep. on the edge. We saw that with Blake Corum. Um, and here's something I didn't think coming into this year that I would be talking about is the creativity that Josh Gaddis has had on offense. Yeah. We've seen the flea flicker, I think three times now well, uh, we saw the, as Jim Brandstetter called it, the transcontinental. <laughs> we, and honestly, we haven't seen a lot of that until the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Like Maryland, you saw a couple of them, uh, Ohio state, you saw the reverse in a couple. And then yeah. Wisconsin Iowa, would have been the, the only and, time before that, that you saw the flea flicker. Right. Yeah. And uh, they, they definitely have, adapted and come a long way i will say that yeah if i'm a player in georgia you know jordan davis some of these like smart thing would 
be just an opt out. Go go get ready for the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> go, get, go start training. Yeah, yeah. Go start training go for start the combine. Training combine. Yeah, hey, not you, buddy. Not yeah, you. Yeah, no, no, we need no. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you got a Heisman uh, campaign, which will be uh, done by that time. But hey, uh, we will have plenty of time over the next three weeks to continue to break down these games and hopefully. We'll get a chance to talk about more Lions wins. Um, stay tuned in here for all your football information as we start to shift as well. More to the NFL. We'll also be talking some uh, some more local sports. Uh, we obviously the Wings. Uh, got the Pistons. Uh, we got a, a lot that we could talk about there as well. So we'll do it here. So stay tuned in here. Lang and Jansen on Necessary Roughness.